Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Indians 14, the Kansas City Royals 6. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And wow, no need for a walk-off home run yesterday. No need for ninth-inning heroics Uh, No reason to look up crazy, obscure base running rules, although there was some interesting base running in this game. The Indians just absolutely clobbered their way to victory with 17 hits. My God, 17 hits for the Cleveland Indians, including one, two, three, four home runs, one, two, three, four doubles. They were just locked in yesterday. All right, let's get into the storylines of the game. Let's break it all down in the power. My God, as Emperor Palpatine would say, unlimited power. That's right. You stick with me long enough, I'm going to be making Star Wars references. Uh, The Indians just unload, and it all starts in the fourth inning. And they just put together a rally. They were down. They had some opportunities earlier in the game. Uh, Cesar Hernandez leads off the game with a single. Doesn't turn into anything. Um, Harold Ramirez has a double in the second. Perez flies out for the last out. It was a two-out double. Uh, And then uh, Oscar Mercado doubles to lead off the third inning. But Bradley Zimmer actually ends up popping up a bunt. Uh, So that turns into nothing. So uh, we get to the fourth inning, and you're like, okay, we're hitting the ball, but we're actually down to nothing. Salvador Perez has a two-run home run, and we're down to nothing. And you're like, okay, like, you know, we're going to have to fight our way back into this one, another another one where we're going to have to scratch and claw our way back into the game. Well, Jose Ramirez leads that inning off with a walk. Fermil Reyes with a nice line drive single after him. And then Bobby Bradley dumps a pitch into left center field for a double. It's a great swing from Bobby Bradley on a breaking ball and drops it into the gap in left center field. Now, the fun part comes because uh, Fermil Reyes must have been uh, saying some very nice things to third base coach Mike Sarbaugh. Must have uh, maybe brought him an extra cookie during lunch or something like that. You know, must have done something because Sarbaugh waves Vermeil Reyes around third. He's going to try to score from first base. We Nobody loves Fran Wheels Reyes more than I do, okay? I love when he takes an extra base. I love when he flashes. wouldn't call it speed. Let's call it hustle. Uh, he did not have it here. Nicky Lopez throws a strike home as the relay man, and uh, Perez lays the tag on him, uh, and he's out by a mile. So, Fermil Reyes gave it a shot. You know, you can't blame a guy for trying, can you? Let's see where he ranks, uh, what his percentile ranking is for sprint speed. Just just out of curiosity here, right? Just for fun. Uh, you know, you get that Sarabout's trying to be aggressive here early in the game. But, you know, Manning did have a good point. You would have been set up with runners on second and third and nobody out. And is it really worth it to push it, uh, you know, in that situation when you have so many chances for that runner to score anyways. 
He's only the 30th percentile in sprint speed. I actually thought it would be lower than that. So good job for Emil Reyes. All right, 30th percentile. We can take that. I'm sure if you look at the percentile rankings of old man softball, uh, I probably rank somewhere around the 30th percentile. So, I, you know, speed recognizes speed. Let's just say that. Uh, so, yeah, so Bobby Bradley doubles, gets an RBI out of it, but one out. You think, you know, okay, well, we that, that was our chance, right? You know, we blew our chance. The Indians do not string together hits. That's just not a thing. Well, Harold Ramirez comes up, and he lines 112.7-mile-per-hour single into center field. It actually hit so hard that Bobby Bradley can't score. This time, Sarabaugh learns his lesson, throws the brakes on. Even though Bobby Bradley got a decent jump on the ball, uh, he's held at third. We got runners on the corner, though, one out. Roberto Perez would then pop out. Uh, which was, you know, frustrating. You know, you run around third, less than two outs. There's tons of ways for them to score. But Oscar Mercado saves it with a single. He drives in Bobby Bradley. Then Bradley Zimmer, actually, it's credited as a single because the center fielder, Taylor, bobbled the ball. It actually turns out to be a double. Mercado hustles his way, does not slow down running first, sees the bobble, and hustles his way into second base. Harold Ramirez had gone all the way to third, so it actually works like a double, even though he's credited with a single here, and then advancing on, I don't know if they gave him an, an error on that or not. Uh, and then Bradley Zimmer singles off the pitcher's leg, which I thought was something that only happened in video games. I thought that only happened in MLB The Show. It happens all the time in MLB The Show, way too often. Uh, there'd be a ton of pitchers with broken tibias if it happened that often in real baseball, but this, I mean, this is straight out of the video game here. Bradley Zimmer singles off of Mike Miner's leg. It ricochets over to second base. Zimmer uses his speed and burns down the baseline, gets a single with two outs, gets a two-out hit, a two-out RBI, and then it brings up Cesar Hernandez, who wastes no time before cranking a 101.2-mile-per-hour home run 403 feet to the seats in left field, and suddenly it just went from the Indians taking the lead to the Indians having a huge rally in that fourth inning. Six runs come across in the fourth inning, and it's a lead the Indians would not relinquish for the rest of the game. Sure, the Kansas City would chip away, but uh, they would never be able to come back and tie it up. Because the Indians would just keep stretching it out with a run in the fifth, two in the sixth, four in the seventh, one more in the eighth. Uh, the Kansas City Royals were able to put together a little rally. Uh, in the sixth inning, I believe that's a solo home run that Kansas City gets from Ben Attendee, yes. And then in the seventh inning, it's a really weird inning uh, against Nick Sandlin uh, with a walk, a fielder's choice that's kind of an error. Um, then a single, a ground out, a sack fly, a uh, bases loaded ground out, then a sack fly, then another walk. Of course, Santana gets a walk. Then Benatendi gets a single on another thing that could have been considered an error by Cesar Hernandez. Cesar Hernandez did not have a good inning. It actually leads to three unearned runs against Nick Sandlin. So probably, probably should have gotten out of it a long time before that, but it, uh, it doesn't hurt his ERA, at least, and it doesn't hurt the Indians because they were up so much at that point. And normally, you know, we get one big rally from the Indians and that's it. Well, not this time. Uh, the run that comes across in the fifth is actually on a double play. So Bobby Bradley 
doesn't get an RBI, but he does drive in Jose Ramirez, who is on third base. Uh, and then uh, Roberto Perez with a home run to lead off the sixth. Uh, Zimmer would walk. Ahmed Rosario would double. And uh, that would drive in another run in the sixth inning, right? We got two in the sixth inning. Yep. And then in that seventh inning, after they just had their rally, we answer right back with a rally of our own. Uh, Bobby Bradley with one out is hit by a pitch. Then Harold Ramirez singles. Roberto Perez with an RBI single. And then Oscar Mercado, 101.7 mile power exit velocity, 405 feet to the bleachers in left field. Mercado has his first home run of the season, and he was really locked in yesterday. Uh, Mercado had himself a game three for four with four RBIs and two runs scored. He was Mercado's got his batting average up to 281 with an 843 OPS. I know it's a much smaller sample size than, say, Bradley Zimmer has had since he's been called up, right? He hasn't been here that long, but that's awesome. If Mercado is back, if the 2019 Mercado is back, that is huge for the Indians because obviously the outfield is still an area of concern. Center field is still an area of concern when it comes to offensive production. I think we can all agree that Bradley Zimmer has been doing a fantastic job out there defensively, but offensively, you would like a little more from center field. And if Oscar, if 2019 Oscar Mercado is back, look out. Look out. That is big news for the Indians. And then, of course, uh, Jose Ramirez can't let uh, the rest of the team have all the fun. He's got to go in the eighth inning, 104.3 mile per hour exit velocity, only a 21-degree launch angle, only 348 feet, but a line drive home run out to right field and uh, near the old visitor's bullpen. And he gets himself a home run. He gets himself a two-hit game on the day. So that was awesome from Jose Ramirez. Just the icing on the cake of a great game. So that is your big storyline. The Indians offense just unloading. And going over to the Illustrator, I wanted to see where some of these big hits were located. What were the Indians hitters getting? And Cesar Hernandez's homer was a slider that I'm sure Mike Miner did not intend to leave at the letters right down the middle of the plate. That was a spinner breaking in on the switch hitter. It was hitting right-handed for this at-bat against the lefty Miner. And he spun this slider right into the barrel of his bat. And uh, that's good to see Cesar Hernandez making him pay for a mistake. Ahmed Rosario's home run, he actually went down and got a fastball. He actually went down and pulled an inside fastball from Irvin Santana. So that's good to see. Jose Ramirez's home run, it was a slider that broke in on him, down and in, but it kept it in the zone. It was in the inner half of the zone, but it was in the zone. It was at about the thighs, and he spun on that one. Bobby Bradley, he hit his on a uh, his double, sorry. I've got doubles and home runs pulled up here. Uh, he hit his double on a uh, on a knuckle curve, on a knuckle curve on the outside half of the plate, but in the strike zone, thigh level, and that is good to sit back on a curveball and take it to the opposite field is a really good approach. Obviously, we've seen Bobby Bradley get very aggressive against breaking balls. I know he would love to destroy every breaking ball 
out to right field or out to left field, you know, left center, right center, his nitro zones. But to sit back on a knuckle curve and go, you know what? I'm just going to pop this out into left center field. I'm just going to poke it out there. And look, I split the gap, got a double out of it. Uh, That's a really good approach from Bobby Bradley. Harold Ramirez ends up hitting a double off a ball that was basically at his chin. A ball that was way too high to ever want to swing at. Um, And he shoots it down the right field line for a double. Uh, Roberto Perez's home run was on a slider that was in from Irvin Santana. Um, You know, almost uh, tried to break one, try to brush him back a little bit with a slider and drop it on the inside edge of the plate. You don't see many sliders thrown to the inside edge of the plate. And Roberto Perez absolutely makes him pay. And this one goes down and gets one. That's actually an impressive swing from Roberto Perez. And then Mercado's double was on a knuckle curve from Mike Miner. So he sat back on a double, which was good to see. And then his uh, his home run came on an inside fastball from Kyle Zimmer, Bradley's brother. And uh, he turns on an inside fastball. So again, that's really good to see. Um, really good job by the Indians. I was curious. So four, three of the four home runs came on sliders. And that last home run... Uh, Mercados came on a fastball, and then uh, the doubles, two came on fastballs, two came on knuckle curves. So I just wanted to go a little bit deeper on the Indians' offense to see what they were doing, what pitches they were getting, what approaches they were taking to unlock this kind of offensive day for the Indians. By the way, Ben Attendees was a fastball, just a high fastball at the letters, and Salvador Perez was a slider from Quantrill that he just spun. Just spun right down the middle of the plate, a little bit in, right at the belt. And Perez cranks that one. Those are the only extra base hits for the Royals. So they did give up the two home runs. It makes Cal Quantrill's FIP, his fielding independent pitching, look pretty bad on the day. Because he gives up fielding independent pitching is about things pitcher controls, which are strikeouts, walks, and home runs. So it makes it look pretty bad on the day, 7.67. But we know besides those two home runs, he actually limited the damage. So let's get into it. That is our next storyline, the pitching. And Quantrill has himself a quality start and gets the first win of the season under his belt. So that's good to see. He's now 1-2 and two with a 4-2-3 ERA. He goes six innings, five hits, three earned runs, a walk, a strikeout, and two home runs. Now, I can tell you that he did give up a ton of hard hit balls. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 hard hit balls from Cal Quantrill. And in fact, I pulled up his Fangraphs page and we go over to the batted ball tab. He only gave up soft contact to 4.8% of the balls that were hit. Hard hit percentage was up at 57.1%. And what do we say? We can live with hard hit balls sometimes, right? Uh, and um, last time, right, uh, with McKenzie, it was ground balls. This was not ground balls. His ground ball percentage was only 23.8. His line drive percentage was 33.3. His fly ball percentage was 42.9. So he was getting hit hard. He was giving up fly balls. He's actually probably pretty lucky that a lot of them stayed in the park, that only two home runs went out. The wind was blowing in a little bit yesterday, but that did not slow down the offense. 
Um, on the other side, Mike Miner only lasts those four innings, gives up nine hits, six earned runs, a walk, and two strikeouts. Uh, he was hard hit six times. And then Irvin Santana, who came in after him, goes an inning and two-thirds, four hits, three earned runs for him, and uh, a walk and two strikeouts. And he's hard hit five times. So split between those two guys, uh, that is 11 hard hit balls for the Indians. Uh, total on the day... It's 15 hard-hit balls against Kansas City pitching. Only those 13 against Indians pitching. So uh, let's go a little bit deeper into the pitching here because I'm interested in what Cal Quantrill was doing yesterday. And he decided to go with the four-seam fastball yesterday. Threw it 26 times, threw the changeup 22 times, threw the slider 19 times, the sinker which was kind of his go-to pitch. He only threw it 16 times. And the curveball, seven. And if we go back to his last start, his last start was on July 4th against Houston. And that time, he threw the sinker 28 times. 30% of his pitches were sinkers. Only 21 four-seam fastballs. And if you remember, they were not swinging and missing a lot. Only seven whiffs on 38 swings. Well, this time it's seven whiffs on 44 swings. So again, not a ton of swing and miss. He got 14 called strikes yesterday. He had 17 against Houston. So when it comes to missing bats and getting strikes, he actually did better in his last start. Uh, Let's see, there are foul balls maybe to contribute here. Yeah, he was able to get 16 foul balls today. Only 12 last time against Houston. 19 were put in play. 21 were put in play. He does go a little bit deeper into the game. Uh, But they were not missing his fastball at all. 15 swings on his fastball, zero whiffs. Four called strikes. It's good for a 15% CSW. Now, of those 15 swings, they only fouled off six. They put nine of his fastballs in play. So they were kind of locked in against his fastball. Uh, And the same thing against his sinker, too. Six swings, no whiffs on his sinker. He was able to get three called strikes, only two foul balls, four were put in play. So against his hard stuff, they were not missing. They put, they made contact with everything they swung at. So the slider actually turns out to be his most effective pitch. He had a 37% CSW on his slider, three whiffs on nine swings, plus four called strikes. And the slider, his last start against Houston, also his most effective pitch. He had a 41% CSW on his slider last time. So Quantrill has got to figure out how to throw something hard and get someone to miss it or get it for a called strike. Because right now, the hard stuff is absolutely not working with him, which is surprising. His sinker has a ton of break on it. I mean, it's got a 20, it maxed out, it averaged 17 uh, inch vertical drop. It maxed out at a 20 inch vertical drop, as opposed to his four seam fastball, which averaged a 15 inch drop and maxed out at an 18 inch vertical drop. Um, so the sinker does have some more movement to it, and it's got good horizontal break too. Uh, it averages 12 inches horizontal break, maxed out at 15 inch horizontal break. It actually breaks the hardest horizontally of any of his pitches. Um, So even that slider just kind of has some drop to it. I wonder how similar the slider and the curveball look to hitters up there. 
Um, the vertical break on his curveball is much more significant. That's the difference right there. The horizontal break is not. So the slider is a much tighter uh, pitch. Although the spin rate is similar. Uh, nah, I shouldn't say that. Uh, 2,188 RPMs is what he averaged on his slider. So just under 2,200 RPMs. He averaged 2,376 RPMs, rotations per minute, on his curveball. So just under 2,400. So almost 200 RPM difference. And that's the difference in the drop between his curveball and his slider. So as good as Quantrill was yesterday, and he definitely limited the damage, um, he's got to figure out a way to get some whiffs on this on the hard stuff. It's just incredible that he's up there dealing, pitching pretty well, and just can't get anyone to miss that stuff. I mean, after what we saw McKenzie do with his fastball, and uh, I mean, it could be, it could be that I just don't think that Quantrill really has a plan of attack for um, for where he wants his pitches to go. If you look at his illustrator, it's a rainbow, man. He is all over. He was pounding the strike zone with everything. Pounding the strike zone with his changeup, with his fastball, with his uh, with his sinker, curve, everything. Slider is all pounding the zone. There's not much down. There, there's some stuff at the bottom of the zone. Uh, he misses in. He misses on the left side of the edge of the plate often. I'm guessing that's against those lefties, keeping the ball away from those lefties. But yeah, there's no pattern to it. The fastball is spread out all throughout the zone. It's just a rainbow of pitches. Whereas we go to McKenzie yesterday, and he was pounding the fastball up in the zone, bringing the slider sweeping across, pounding the bottom right corner of the zone with the slider. And there was definitely a plan of attack. I don't feel that from Cal Quantrill. So something to keep an eye on moving forward. How does he go about approaching his you know, attacking teams? How does he use his pitches? Will he bring the sinker back now that the fastball wasn't very effective? Will he go back to more sinkers? Or will fastballs be kind of the new way uh, he does things, really working on that four-seam fastball? So it ends up not mattering. Like I said, Samlin had a rough outing. He gives up the three unearned runs. Uh, Shaw comes in and cleans up that mess. And then Maton and Blake Parker finish off the game. They each give up a hit. But three strikeouts combined, they have a nice eighth and ninth inning. So it's a huge win for the Indians. It's just a ton of fun. Man, if you want you want to watch a fun baseball game, last night was the game to watch. Lots of fun for Indians fans. And we're going to finish up the series today. There's rain in the forecast all day. Huge storms rolling in. I don't know how my old man softball game has not been rained out yet, but it hasn't. Um, and we are going to get to see, it's supposed to start at 110, and it's supposed to be Hernandez going for the Royals against Eli Morgan for the Indians. Morgan continuing to chip away at that ridiculous ERA that got started because of that Toronto game played in a hurricane-type weather. So Morgan is going to go out there looking for his second win of the season, and if the Indians can sweep the Royals heading into the All-Star break, I think even this, even three, taking these three games here, I think we can all take a deep breath and relax a little bit. The losing streak sucked. It was only one week out of the entire baseball season. 
It was the worst week ever, right, for the Indians, but it was only one week out of the entire six-month baseball season. So let's all take a deep breath. We just dropped three wins on the Royals. We're going for the sweep today. It will be some really good vibes going into this All-Star break. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Progressive Field. It's the Indians 14, the Royals 6. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about Eli Morgan. And I'm going to sprinkle some things in throughout All-Star break. I'm not going to record every day, but I do kind of want to do one episode where we just look at the first half hitting and then maybe a second episode where we just look at the first half pitching and really analyze it, what's working, what's not working, who's delivered, who's struggled. Um, And then, of course, we'll talk a little bit about the big news going on, Uh, the All-Star game, the Home Run Derby, all that fun stuff. Um, Big news on the injury front, Ronald Acuna was carted off, hurt his knee, done, was it the ACL? I'm not sure. Done for the season, though. Uh, That hurts. Acuna is absolutely one of the stars of the game. Uh, for a, you know a young Atlanta team that probably thought they had a second half run in them uh, to kind of chase the Mets, and I think the Nationals are up there too in the NL East, and that hurts. I mean, losing one of the stars of the game that absolutely hurts. So uh, that is some unfortunate news on the injury front, and uh, so yeah. So uh, like I said, I'll be back tomorrow to talk Eli Morgan whenever they get this game in today. I feel like they're just going to sit down there at Progressive Field and just wait for a break in the weather and get that game in. All right, you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. If you have thoughts on the first half of the season, email them in. I will use them during the All-Star break episodes, okay? So email in any thoughts, pitching, hitting, whatever you want to say. We'll use them. I would love to do a mailbag episode, but you got to email from me to get a mailbag together. So send your emails in clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.